0: This Saturday panel on OTB. And I'm coming off the pitch. He said, uh, Richard is on the phone. Richard? Yeah, he said. He's in Mexico. And then I'm totally bamboozled. I said, who the hell is Richard in Mexico? But it happened to be Richard Harris. But I got on the phone to him, and and I swear to God, he's crying down the phone, like, congratulating me and telling me how how great it is. And he asked me, can I come to the final? I said, of course you can.
1: Don't miss the panel every Saturday afternoon on OTB Sports Radio. Tune in 24-7 on the OTB Sports app.
2: The OTB Podcast Network.
0: You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass.
2: Andrew, welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five o'clock. You can text us 53106. You're streaming as well now, so you can listen on News Talk but also watch us on the social channels for Off the Ball, for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball on YouTube and on Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. If you haven't downloaded it already, search OTB Sports in your App Store to do so for iOS and Android. This is the Saturday panel. One of the best moments of 2020 was the staging of the All Ireland hurling and football championships in the depth of winter as the country experienced its darkest days. Hurling such a wonderful game, it's been graced by so many great teams. Cork in the 1940s, Tipperary in the 1960s, Limerick now and Kilkenny between, well, well, 2000 and probably 2015. But for four years in a row, they won all Ireland's 2006, 7, 8 and 9. And to look back on that record equaling run of four in a row and deal with some talking points out of Championship 2021, we're delighted to be joined by three of the great cats, Greg Bally Eddie Brennan. Emerald's Taggy Fogarty and Carrick Shocks, Michael Rice. Eddie, Taggy and Michael, how are you all doing?
3: Good, thanks, John. How are you doing, John?
2: Aidan Fogarty, I know you're there and I know it'll be great to see lads being able to poke a slitter around again. Um, They've been starved of it.
1: Yeah, John, um, I think everyone has been waiting for um, GEFEs to open up, um, especially for kids to get back into the field, first of all but uh, even for the likes of ourselves to have sport come back onto the television to have something to even talk about I know Uncle Kenny there all he talk about is hurling and sport and when the matches are coming up who's on the teams and all that and it's just been so flat for the last couple of months and it's just fantastic to see the games are back the club lads are going to be back in a couple of weeks as well so it's not just in their counties. so it's a bit of a lift The are getting better, Summer is coming and we always said championship, the hard ground is what you want to be and that's where you want to be.
2: Michael, you're involved in education. It's been tough for a lot of young people.
3: It has been very tough. I mean, we were, especially since Christmas, there was a long period where a lot of classes taking place online and uh, it wasn't easy. I mean, everyone at at home had different circumstances. I mean, there were some households that had, um, I suppose, two parents working and then maybe... Two or three children trying to do classes online, so it was very tough for people. And then, um, look, we're we're social animals, and people were missing out on, um, especially young people, getting to see their friends. So, it's fantastic, first of all, that the schools were back and uh, gave everyone an opportunity to to get back to a, some some form of normality. And you can see that um, even kids that may have said they wouldn't have particularly liked school, I think they I think they see the benefits of the certainly the social side as well as the. The educational side You still pucking the ball Michael? Uh, uh, I am yeah I actually came home one of the evenings during the week and I have three three children and uh, they were gone shopping with, with their mam so I actually grabbed the opportunity to get a few pucks against the wall which was great yeah Have you lost the touch? Yeah it's gone a bit alright John yeah it <laughs> was a tennis ball so I was coming back a bit quicker alright uh, so there's a bit of work to be done but you sure, look that's 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 the name of the game you're never finished you always have to improve so Bit of improvement needed, John. How's your touch, Aidan? Uh
1: Yeah, sorry, Jay. Um I don't know if I had as good a touch as uh, Racy there before, but uh, Racy always had a perfect first touch. I always worked on it near, years ago. But, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it needs a lot of work. Uh, I heard last year, and I will probably hard this year, because, uh, yeah, I get McGrawford again. Uh, once you see the summer, as I said, the summer just... Eats it up. No one wants to go back training in the leagues and all that sort. There was no, there was no league tight God this year for the lads, so it's straight into championship and into the hard ground, and that's where you want to be. That's where the, that's where the life and soul of
2: it is. Does this club split uh, between inter county and club work for you, Michael?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It worked great for me last year. I have to say, as as Taggy said, um, we have a little place in Carrickshock called Romans Valley, and uh, we used to go do the hard training there over the last couple of years. And uh, I said to myself, I, I'm not going. I probably won't stay hurling. Or if I do stay hurling, I'm never going to train down there again. So luckily that was cancelled last year. And uh, we had about probably eight, ten weeks of a club season. Um, Unfortunately, we lost out um, in the end with the club. But it it was very, very enjoyable. Just to be, as Taggy said, going up on a summer's evening, the ball was flying around. um, And it was enjoyable weather. It was enjoyable hurling. We were playing league matches that meant something kind of straight away with everybody. There was no... Uh, inter-county, I suppose, um, infraction on that, and that really worked for us really well, and I think I, I think most of the inter-county players really enjoyed it as well because, I suppose, when we were we were playing with Stephen Taggy, that there was that split season, and you'd be with the with the county from maybe January till March, uh, maybe April when the league ended, then you had maybe a week, two weeks with your club, play two club matches, and then you're back with the county, and it was it wasn't it wasn't fair to be honest with with the club scene the way it was so i think this is going to be hugely beneficial for the the club scene i think everyone inter-county and club players are looking forward to that split
2: what's the temperature in kilkenny at the moment had a championship twenty twenty one, out?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's low-key. Um, as, as it always is, I think, in Kilkenny, it, it always seems to be low-key uh, for some reason. But I think the talk for the next couple of weeks is just to get back out into the field, really. And just to touch on, on Ricey's point there, um, on, the, on the club point of view, it, I think it's been fantastic that you have three months just for club because I remember guys going back in just for club and going back in January, February, March and training and realistically the championship is not kicking off until September for club and you're literally getting fit until March and then a break and then you're getting fit again until September so I think the focus of the three months is absolutely brilliant for club lads because they can go off and do what they want they can go off on their holidays or whatever the case may be later on in in the years or whatever to come but I think just the focus in the three months come back in and do it it, is brilliant for the club Um, as far as the county level is I think It's very lucky. You won't know anything, really, John, I think, until the kind of league starts off. And realistically, how much are you going to take from the league, I'm not too sure either because guys are just back training. It's going to be just three weeks. And if you think about it, it might seem three weeks, but that's really only about eight sessions, eight or nine sessions, and maybe even six six tough sessions at that. Now, I know the guys have been doing their bit for the last couple of months they're in the gyms but to get up to the match tempo to get up to say who just talked about with first touches and all that especially in hurling, you know you really have to be grafting there for a long time to get up to the speed of the game so I think the league is going to be a lot of kind of you know kind of hairy fairy kind of stuff and then to kick off in Championship
2: Eddie Brennan joins us now and Eddie Summer hurling, the lads have been talking about it there but you can't wait for it
0: yes yeah, sure, we, we, we've been missing it for so long um, John it's just uh, we give out to have it back so um, you know, I suppose we, we really put a value on it now. Um, I think for what has happened over the last 13, 14 months, has probably really put a premium on how much we we enjoy our hurling and how much we love it, and, and obviously how much we've missed it. And uh, certainly the the whole format and the system has been just turned upside down. And uh, as the lads are saying there, I think look, we don't care what we get once it's back. But uh, I I agree with Taggy there in terms of the league. Look, I think you're going to see uh, managers use a lot of their squads. I think you're going to see them train lads and uh, getting lads up to speed because obviously once uh championship kicks in, you don't have a whole lot of wriggle room. It's really put an edge on it and put a premium on getting your performance right and, and being able to deliver
2: Let's uh, wind the clock back then, lads. Uh, when we're looking back at the four in a row, 2005, Michael, you were on the panel. You came into the panel. What was the culture like when you were joining the panel? What was the vibe? Were you intimidated? How did you feel when you're like walking into a dress room when you've got Henry there and Eddie there and, and all these players?
3: Yeah, a small bit of intimidation probably, yeah. Uh, and that's on no part of the boys. I mean, you've probably had two legends of the game still there as well in DJ and, and Peter Barry. Um, my first day on the panel was Galway, that, that epic match. 518 to 418 I think it finished to Galway and uh, unbelievable Eddie the same day I think lit it up I think he scored 2-3 from play um, but to come into that dressing room um, yeah, the culture was good the culture was probably obviously Brian uh, over the years Brian Cody had set the tone on that but from our point of view it was probably looking at the likes of Eddie Henry, Derek Ling, Martin Comerford, Mick Cavanagh setting the tone in training and um, uh, there was no prima donnas. There was no egos and there wasn't room in that. So straight away you knew if you were going in there and if you had won a minor or an under 21, it, me- it meant absolutely nothing. Uh, you had achieved nothing in terms of Kilkenny Hurland for that. So it was very much a case of um, if if the likes of Henry Shefflin doesn't have an ego going in here or, or Eddie or Mick Cavanagh or these lads, well then listen, I, there's no place for me to be, have a, a big head or any player. And that was the, it, it, what I added to that as well was the I suppose the, the bit of help that the lads would give you. Um, I remember Eddie would have given me advice over the years. Derek Ling, even though I was in opposition with Derek for a midfield spot, he would have given me little bits of information. Uh, he probably didn't tell me everything, but he probably told me <laughs> one or two things that I would have used over the years. And, and you would have just learned so much from those players as well. So it was a good environment to come into. But then going on to 6 what happened was we lost under-21 all-Ireland final against Galway down in Limerick. And I think... By the start of 6 Brian and Martin Fogarty and Mick Dempsey had brought in 14 out of the 15 starters that day. So even though we had lost an under-21 on Ireland, I suppose Brian had seen enough of us at maybe Minor and under-21 to bring in that group. And then the big the big question was, how was he going to gel this together? Even though we had serial winners in there already with the the men we've mentioned, there was still that that thing that he had to bring it together and create this spirit that couldn't be broken that Brian has so often spoken about. So I think between himself, Martin Forty and Mick Dempsey, that was a great, that probably, it it didn't come overnight. It came from the hard training and it probably came from us building slowly throughout 2006 and and winning matches and everyone kind of getting a bit of, well, not everyone, but a lot of players getting a bit of game time and seeing that, yeah, there's a chance for me here. So I think that... um, built over time um, from 2005 into 2006. And what you did feel after 2005, there was a, probably a, a huge um, determination to get back to the top throughout the panel and those players that had won all Ireland medals. And that was huge, that they had such hunger in them. And we could see that, see that as young players as well. Manchester City have taken the lead
2: against Crystal Palace. Uh, they've actually just uh, scored another goal, as I speak. Uh, Aguero got the first one and Ferran Torres has just got another one. So 2-0 to City against Crystal Palace as they close in on the Premier League title. Eddie, was the uh, edge pretty stark between yourselves and Cork that time? Because they were going for three in a row in 06. Yeah, there was
0: there was a good bit of a, a needle there, all right, John. There's no doubt about that. and. Uh, I think Rice and all the boys in UCC brought that up with him. <laughs> so, um, but just on what Rice's, Ricey's point there is, is, is important too, John. I think uh, I certainly didn't like when the boys all came in around the squad. There was a lot of them coming around and they really generated a real healthy competition. And it was, it was probably the making of the team really going forward because you were looking around and you were seeing all these guys that Brian gave a lot of game to during the league in 06. And... What it what it really generated was like as Rice said the spirit, but there was massive competition within the squad and and we knew ourselves that you know the players that were doing it in week in week out on the training field were going to get the, the jerseys and and I think like Rice said we did all kind of fairly well gel together and there was there was a there was a very very healthy respect and friendship off the field once the train the training ground was a battle and then after that it was it was it was all. You know, everyone was was good friends with each other, but yeah, just to go back to your point about the Cork thing, I think uh, we had developed a good a good, uh, I suppose, rivalry with Cork from three and 0 four, and you know, Ricey mentioned 0 five. There, I, I'd say, I, if I'm being honest, I think we had a, a an eye on Cork being in the the final in five, and and we wanted to get there. We wanted to to knock heads with them, and you know, Galway took us out and and deservedly so so we, I suppose we, we bottled up that, that bit of hunger that was there and I think you know when 06 was definitely a year of transition for us there wasn't a whole lot of expectation on us Cork were the focus because they were going for three in a row so that was the challenge that was in front of us and, and it suited us nicely to come into that match as, as underdogs in a way but there was just a fierce, fierce determination within the group and I recall even I think a week and a half, two weeks out from that All-Ireland you know, to lose JJ Delaney with a big injury, and it just presented an opportunity for someone on the squad who was ready to go, and, you know, that that was that was what was our strength at the time. We had guys uh, knocking on the door, really putting their hand up to Brian saying they wanted to play, and as a result, you know, I think it was Mick Kavanagh came in that day, and it was just a seamless uh, transition for him. I think Mo- Noel Hickey moved into full-back, and, and away we went.
2: 5316 listeners, if you have any questions for Eddie Brennan, uh, Taggy Fogarty or Michael Rice and Kilkenny in that brilliant team probably the best of all time. Taggy, when everything turns to gold in a match as it did for you in the 06 final, you scored 1-3 one, uh, uh 116 to 113 win over Cork. What is it like when everything is just going your way?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a strange one John. Um obviously it was me, new first star Ireland and um I tell you, I remember very vividly how I kind of felt on the Saturday and on the Sunday. Um, I was very relaxed, and I kind of—I was taken off in the semi-final against Clare, and I was—I was gutted, and I was surprised actually get me start on the on on the day for the Ireland. But he gave me the chance, and I said to myself on the Saturday, if I get fifty minutes out of myself and if I do myself justice, I'd be happy with that. And if I'm taken off and taken off. And look, the way the game went, it, it was just—it was just surreal. Um, people talk about being in the in, in the groove or in in the moment, and I think it's only years after when I realised I was definitely in the groove that day. The ball just seemed a little bit slower. Um, the pace of the game—I was just—I was just on top of it. I was just moving before the ball was struck. I was in the right place at the right time, and this is not. This is just kind of accumulation of years of training, a bit of luck, and obviously on a, on a great Hurling team as well. But it, it just came together. But it wasn't about being brilliant on the day. It was more about the team winning the, that Ireland. And uh, as Eddie mentioned already, we had a bit of a rivalry built up at Cork. And I remember that the Friday evening we had a meeting with uh, with Brian. And I coming over, and I was just thinking, and it's easy to say it now, but I was just thinking, we we can't lose this our Ireland because we have so much done and we have so much preparation for it. And look, on the day, it was just it was just a bit surreal. I was on Pat McCarry, and you know maybe he was just that one or two percent off, and I was that one or two percent ahead, and that all that that's all it takes for on, on our Ireland day and for any game to really make a stamp on it. and... You know to talk about the goal. I actually missed hit the goal. It uh, was on my bad side and uh, took it on my left, and I was here. Oh God, I'm after miss hitting it, and it just it just. Probably <laughs> Lowe was probably expecting a rasper, and typically kind of miss hit it and it flew into the top corner, and it just went on from there. And it was just just a thrilling moment personally, but more for more for a team and for that for that team just to kick off uh, beating Cork uh, on that day was just uh, just fantastic.
2: And the following year you beat uh, Limerick uh, 219 to 115, Eddie. You were also in the zone that day. You got one four. Is what Aiden's saying there right? That it just feels everything is going a little bit more in slow motion and it gives you a better chance.
0: Yeah, I think it is. It's some days you hit those those days, and and I think it's it, it's a it's a balance between real drive and real determination, and 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 kind of being relaxed and, and kind of enjoying what you're doing. So I think that was. I, I'd agree with what Taggy said there. You know, for me, the mindset probably was was setting the run up to that All-Irelands, uh, you know, I'd probably had All-Irelands where I'd been busy to say the least, you know, you hadn't give that you know, a seven or eight out of ten performance in the All-Ireland final, so that was an added personal drive for me, I said look, I just didn't want to be, a, you know, a big player that I wanted to, to take up the slack, that that's when when lads are needed, and, and that's what they often say in the big days, that you have to step up uh, we were lucky with a group of lads that there was always guys very, very consistent with their performances and you know, once that match set set off, as as Taggy said there, your feel goes, you 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 send something different, and you know the build up for me was good. I think you were experienced enough at that stage that you were kind of getting a good handle on taking control of your performances and psychologically building yourself up and getting yourself ready. And um, look, I have to be honest. I suppose uh, I collided with Stephen Lucy earlier in Ireland, and and you know maybe if that was today, I probably would have seen a red card. So. But um, you know, I suppose sometimes you, you you know there's there's a bit of luck or a bit an element of that involved. But in terms of delivering for the team, you know, I I, I just in the run up to that match, I said I had to, you know, there was too often maybe uh, other lads had done this, and and I just said, look, today you just had to step up and, and and do your job, and and that was I think the strength of our team was that nobody ever went out and tried to play three or four positions. I think you just went out, did your own job. Yeah, you saw whatever work you could do for the team and if that was creating chances, then that was what you done. But uh, yeah, look, it was, it was it, it, as Taggy said there, it's nice to get the individuals, you know, afterwards. But the be all and end all is to actually, you know, the hard work that you do all along. And, you know, at the All-Ireland Final, when that final whistle goes, it's it's just the, the camaraderie and the friendship and the buzz for the immediate the, the hour afterwards inside the dressing room. That's, that's what it's all about. That's the magic
2: and uh, just before we go to the break michael you will win all stars in 09 and 11 but you were on the periphery still then was that becoming frustrating for you or is it just a case that everybody bought into it
3: um a little bit for uh, frustration and probably um coming to the stage where i just had to step up like eddie said as well and it was pr- uh, it was kind of i was on and off i mean if you look at those championships i think i would have played cha- championship matches there i would have started championship matches but when it came to the biggest day um, either my form wasn't right, or it, it look. Yeah, at the end of the end of the day, I had to look at uh, in a kind of a wider perspective and say the midfield battle at that time and kind of half hour line. I would have been up against obviously Derek Ling and Chad. Derek who would have sat, set the standard for so long, from zero two up till that time, and Chad then who was phenomenal from zero six seven and eight. We knew how how, how much class he had. So yeah, um, and even into that, Michael Fenley was there. Richie Mullally and PJ Delaney, kind of, there was nearly six or seven lads that knocking around for that midfield berth. So you just knew you had to just work really, really hard and see where it took you. So it wasn't the case that you were going home saying, I definitely should be on that team. You also, it probably I probably would have been better if I was thinking that, but you also had to recognise that there was serious competition and serious players there and you had to do something special maybe or someone to get injured to get in there um, and you couldn't be wishing injury on anyone, of course, you know. Okay, we've got to take a break. Back with more chat on the Saturday panel about
2: Kilkenny's Hurlians, four in a row with Eddie Brennan, Taggy Fogarty, and Michael Rice shortly. 53106 the text number. You can also reach us on Twitter at Off the Ball. Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. Just to let you know uh, Manchester City 2 0 up against Crystal Palace in the Premier League as they close in on the title. We're back after the news.
1: The Saturday panel
2: on Off the Ball and this is off the ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until 553106 the text number you can tweet us at off the ball to let you know it's Crystal Palace Nil Manchester City 2 in the Premier League in the second half we're back with the Saturday panel reflecting on the great Kilkenny four in a row senior hurling team three of whom join us now speaking to Greg Paddy Collins, Eddie Brennan Emeralds, Tagli Fogarty Carrick Shocks Michael Rice listeners out there has there been a better hurling team I don't think so uh, we're streaming the conversation as well now as well as listening on News Talk. you can watch us on the social channels for off the ball for Periscope on Twitter, at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. At uh, 2008, we've got to now Waterford in the final. Peak Kilkenny dominance, 330 to 113. 17 points clear at halftime. Aidan Fogarty, what's it like when you know you're going to win a game early on in it? Because you can say what you want, but you you were going to win the game. Do you feel any sympathy for the Waterford lads? You're, the guys marking you is probably hurting out there. They want the ground to swallow up, or is it a case of just kill them until the final whistle?
1: Yeah, it, it's a strange one, John. Uh, there is no better feeling than knowing you have it in the bag. And um, I don't think we really... There's always a worry there that, especially in Hurling, that you're in the big lead and you might give it up at some stage. There, there is always that worry. But come around the 60th minute, 65th minute, I think we all kind of kind of realised ourselves that, that, that we had it, that there was no comeback from this. Um, of course, you feel sorry for the Water team uh, and that team in general. They're, they're a fantastic team. And given some great service over the years, you know, winning the monster Finals, they've got a great kind of uh, atmosphere to, the, to Croke Park and to around into the GEA season uh, all through the years. Uh, you would feel sorry for them and you pity they didn't get a medal. But at the end of the day, sport is cutthroat. And we had to be cutthroat. And I felt that we were a cutthroat kind of team. And that you had to kind of just keep your, I suppose, foot on, on the neck and, and squeeze them until... You know, there's no life left in them, and and that was the mantra. That was Kilkenny's mantra, and there's no point in saying otherwise. And not just for that game, but for, you know, for every game and every lead-up and every league match and championship match, that was the type of culture that we kind of instilled in ourselves. First of all, to make a place on the team, that was the utmost. And I think 2008 was really the kind of accumulation of everyone getting to peak fitness because I suppose weights came in around 2005, lads kind of bought into 2006, they were getting used to him in 2007, we're getting used to kind of the way the training, the structure was, we're getting used to kind of Brian Cody, the way he kind of made changes, the way things were were were, um, were being of expected of us, I suppose, and really we we kind of became competing between ourselves. Who was lifting the most weights? Who was running the fastest? Who was, you know, uh, training three times a week on the road? Um, all that kind of accumulated into kind of 2008. It was a cultural culture. So many lads trying to make on the team because realistically, we knew that we were going to be at semi-final, final stage uh, every year that we went in uh, at some point, you know, and it's going to take a team to beat us uh, not, not to be there. So everyone was so driven, a lot of uh, intelligent guys in that dressing room. And I, people say to me that, God, you must have been so trained out of it, and must be so professional, uh, kind of a, a an outfit. And we, the funny thing is, we actually weren't. The boys were actually kind of fairly relaxed. You know, Martin Dempsey, Martin Forty, Cody, they left it to our own devices. Um, as such, you know, you didn't have kind of group tr- uh, gym sessions. Um, if you miss a gym session what's the end of the world you know I remember McDemsey and we doing runs and he counts us in 9, 10, 11 crossing the 9 and he didn't even have his watch started and I only heard that afterwards you know Martin, <laughs> Mar- Mar- Martin Dempsey or Michael or Martin Fowley told me this like and he's only counting us in but we talked it was 9, 10, 9, 10 and we were busting for the line but it turned out he, he didn't even have the watch started so like that's, that's more of it but I think that was the culture of that Kilkenny team because we had a lot of characters there and if they taken too serious, I think a lot of lads might have walked, or maybe there would have been friction there. But everyone was kind of enjoying it, uh, and you know what? It was a, obviously at that stage there was a brilliant spirit in the camp because we went on holidays, we were living in each other's pockets, we got on great with each other, it was a great bunch of guys, and there was a humbleness there throughout the team that obviously Brian kind of controlled because every time he came in at the start of the season. There was no such thing as all stars, you know. There was no such thing as uh, man in the matches, you know. All your cars cutting ribbons, he cut all that out and it kept God's <laughs> grounded, <laughs> and uh, it, and it had to because it could have got out easily, got out of control. And I think 2008 was the accumulation of all that of gym sessions of guys just kind of realizing what's needed to make this a Kenny team. And you know, I think that performance on of Ireland day against Waterford was uh, was one of our greatest.
2: Eddie, it's like the golfer going up the final hole of the Masters, knowing they've won.
1: Yeah, it's
0: just, we wouldn't mind experiencing that either now at this stage, but um, yeah, it was, I think you know, I remember sitting down with Cav and a few of the Waterford lads on a trip there one year, I think it was after that, and uh, I remember, you know, we were just chatting with John Lennon and Owen Kelly, and, and, and Cav just said look, he said it was it was just that, that one magical day where everything clicked, like he said, and it just so happened, he said, Waterford were the unfortunate, you know, victims of, of of a massive performance from that group of players, and um you know, you'd say no matter who stood in front of us that day, just the mindset was right, and and we were a well-oiled machine. But I think it's important to point out too, like you know, Taggy mentioned that there like there there the was massive camaraderie with the group. You know, we still we still enjoyed our nights out together. We enjoyed you know the the Mondays when when that happened as well. Um, and and we were you know I think lads were were mature enough to know that there was a place for everything, but you had to be sensible about that, and and you were never going to do that that was going to obviously hurt your own chances. But obviously, even more importantly, was do something that was going to impact on the team. But I think I I even remember just in the run-up to that All-Ireland, you know, Jerry McIntyre was down with us and he spoke to us about what was facing us. And, uh, you know, Taggy said it there, like you couldn't even relax, you know, going into the second half because we still knew Waterford were more than capable of, of blitzing for a while and they could shoot the lights out. But, um you know, we we got wind of certain matchups in the run up to this that that you know Davy Fitz was was targeted in a few of us and I think it was myself and Tommy, somebody else got got targeted, and and we just thought. I, I, looking back on that now, I think that upset Watford a little bit. I think Owen Murphy, I was marking Owen Murphy, and I was worried about marking him because he was a real out and out hurling cornerback, and when he started kind of target me or slobbering before the ball was thrown in I felt this was a big plus for me because I said if he's not worried about the ball too much then that's where my focus is going to be and you know I remember uh, Seamus Pendergast going at Tommy and you know pulling and dragging at Tommy and said you know you'd be better off giving Tommy a cuddle and a kiss rather than one <laughs> because that just doesn't work for Tommy Welch you know? so um, there was that element to it and I think that really kept us focused going into that match and, and like as the lad said there even at half time like we were hurting really really well and, and and a lot of people felt the match was over but we were still just concerned that you know if Watford got a little run and you know we just made sure that we we finished off the job but um, yeah look it was it was at that stage there was there was just a real i think the the key to it was we were really really enjoying that we were enjoying the buzz of being with each other three and four nights a week and training yes we tore the heads off each other in training and there was really tough matches plays. Never stupidity and then we obviously enjoyed the downside of it. Like I, I always loved afterwards going down to Langtons and getting a bit of grub and having a bit of chat and listening to some of the lads slagging each other and sneering each other. I think I think Cha and Tenno and maybe Austin Murphy around on Because before that had an old painting business going. So you'd enjoy the banter <laughs> who was steering and who was having the crack yeah like.
2: Michael, uh the next year you're in the team then, four in a row was on the cards. Was there much talk about that, the history making and all that before the Tipperary game?
3: No, not not at all. I don't remember it anyway. I was probably so focused on trying to stay on the team and get on the team that that didn't impact on me at all. I was kinda at that stage I was even zero eight, I was saying, Come on, Brian, will you make a few changes? We're doing well here with fifteen minutes to go. But uh, Brian always kinda stuck to if you've done the job in the match you keep your place in the team if you're winning by two points or twenty points. But um no, four in a row didn't come into it, to, to be honest. I think, that it was again, it just felt very normal and very, as Taggy said, we kind of learned uh, the way it kind of a season would go, the rhythms of the season and how everyone was kind of operating. So there was a good understanding throughout the panel of of uh, what to expect throughout the season. And um, we would have kind of done weekends away at different times as well, up to Carton House or down to Seafield there in Wexford. And... So we never did the foreign trips or anything like that and uh, it was always seen as that was enough to kind of just refocus at any different points in the year and it, I suppose no, there was no year where we kind of felt oh this is playing and sailing, and it's just let's go to the next step. There were moments in the years where there probably would have been a few stern words and uh, probably words from players as much as anything in those team meetings where to just up the standard again. If people felt the standard was slipping a small bit it was about up the standard. So I mean... We would have played Tipperary in that league final, which was—I love that match. It's probably one of my favourites uh, in Turles, where it went extra time, and um, and then Eddie turned on the turbo in the in the last in the in the extra time. But um, again, even after that, there was probably a thing that right, we need to raise the standard again. Look, we're 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 being caught here. We need to up it again. So there was a refocus, and probably people were—you wouldn't have been overly happy throughout. In terms of everyone that we 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 kind of had hadn't performed as well as we could even though that we knew that tip team was coming strong as well so we had to up the standard again
2: when we see an epic game like kilkenny Tipperary in 2009 it is just so gripping to watch it in the in the stand or on television half time in the dressing room Aidan, what is it like are there many people speaking what's the vibe is there a ritual does brian say much did the lads say much does henry say much just give us an insight into what's going on at, at, at the break
1: yeah um, surprisingly John and you mightn't believe me a lot of lads don't believe me um, the dressing room does be relatively calm um, I think you have roughly about 20-25 minutes uh, at half time and everyone comes in you know they get their drink they, they sit down and they take a breath for themselves for 5 or 10 minutes and Brian has never really spoken you know, um spoken out at half time maliciously or kind of we're in trouble here. There is always a calmness there. And really he kind of puts it over to the players. And you're not forced to talk. People will talk when they want to talk. We had leaders, we had Noel Hickey, we had Peter Barry, you know, we had Derek Ling, Mick have great talkers in the dressing room. And you know, it has to come from the team. There's no point in Brian saying you have to do this, you have to do this. When you hear a player talking about it and when you hear a player kind of driving on the team and knowing what he's doing for that team that brings an extra edge now of course Brian makes his few changes if there's changes to be made or whatever the case may be but it is relatively calm and I think it's important to have a dressing room at half time relatively calm because there's no in losing the plot uh, in making rash decisions or being being more uptight coming out of a dressing room when you should be actually relaxing down and getting grips of what's happening in the game, how are you performing, what what's the next step, and things like that. So it, it is relatively calm, and then you go into the kind of the um, the warm up area before you head out again, and then that's where it's beginning to ramp up because players know it's do or die now. It's the last 30, 35 minutes. If we're under pressure, you have to dig deep. You have to go into the belly, you have to pull it out of yourself as a team and, a, and as a, an individual. And guys really ramp it up just before you head out. And Brian sometimes has the last word and sometimes doesn't have the last word. If it feels right, guys will just bait out that door and out into crop Park for that second half. And if it doesn't feel right, Brian will probably have a mention. But it is relatively calm, but it's an important situation
2: we got a text in here, 5306. Does the panel think referee decisions in 09 final help? Lkenny, I don't know if that's from somebody from Tipperary, but it was a controversial penalty. Henry Shefflin got put it in the net. W- within a minute, Martin Comerford has the ball in the net and that effectively won it, Eddie Brennan. What is it like in these moments? How vivid is it even now, thinking about that?
1: Uh,
0: yeah, well, I just, on Taggy's one there about time. I, I don't know what was said at halftime, because we were asleep definitely in the forwards when we went back out, because I remember... Uh, a couple of years later, Martin Fogarty threw us out of stat that I think of something like the 13 or 14 first puck-outs that PJ Ryan took in the second half of All-Ireland, we only won one of them clean or on a break. So, Tipperary were doing all the hurling at that stage. But, um, you know, it was it was obviously a significant um, change that, that changed that match on the course of its head. And I distinctly remember, you know, sending Martin a text Friday night saying that, you know, come Sunday, we're going to need Martin Comfort. And, uh in fairness to him when he came on he, he changed up that match because uh, you know sometimes I suppose when you're sitting there on the bench I'd imagine you get to see what way the match is going so when you arrive in maybe you can see maybe lads are starting to get fatigued and, and I think what Martin Donald does, does what Gorta does he runs good lines he runs you know he, he cracks open defences and I think the, the first line he run that time that he passed off the ball to Richie Power was, was kind of through the middle of the Tipperary the defence which we hadn't had any joy at that stage and yeah look uh, I think looking back on it afterwards you say look d- the decision was questionable you know, it's it's debatable and and we often see that sport um but you know I suppose it, it certainly wasn't our place to, to dispute that or give out about that I mean d- d- some days you get them some days you don't and um you know it, it, it obviously was a game changer in terms of it was the kind that we needed and you know, I remember Henry kind of stepping up to the penalty and, and more so in my life I was so happy I wasn't a free taker because he was breathing heavily, just gathering himself and I just said, Wow, I said the composure he had to step up knowing that he needed to 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 hit the net with that. And obviously then what happened afterwards that was a double whammy, you know, the next ball that came down. Um Martin Comfort ended up taking a pass off Larks and that was this, you know, two two opportunities presented. And I think that was probably the story, my memory of the matches. We were very economical with chances when they came our way, particularly in the first half when Tipperary and All Ireland Tipperary got a huge amount of chances. PJ Ryan got man of the match, and we got our few chances at the other end and we converted them. And that was that. That's the difference on the big days. Does, yeah.
2: does it get harder, Aidan, to sustain the momentum uh, when you're a player and you've won four in a row and you're pretty cited and you've uh, equal to history? Uh, breaking statistic Uh, does the defeat to Tipperary the the following year still hurt is it still sore or does the four in a row overshadow that now a decade on
1: no um, definitely the the defeat to Tipperary after definitely is is still a recollection in my mind Um, and I think it'll stay with me forever Um, they always talk about the games you lose and I know we've done the four in a row and all that and it wasn't even about winning the five in a row or anything it was just the, the, the matter of fact of that defeat and you know, the effort you put in over the years and the effort you put in just for that individual year and to come up short, and to come up short by a good bit in that Ireland fine. You know, Lark Horvath went to town, obviously, on us. Um, you know, we'd missing Ryan Hogan and, and, and Henry Sheffield and things like that. So it was the accumulation of, of kind of lads with injuries and knocks and, and, and everything like that. But it definitely made us hungry for the year after. Um, you know, we were back 2011 and it was never said or it was never kind of in a it, it, or in, in a meeting but we kind of knew we knew each other so well that it was a burning desire inside of us to get back and like get back to an Ireland final and hopefully get back to meet Tipperary and just prove to ourselves that we were, that we are a, a good team and that we can beat be Tipperary in a big day because I'm on the border here there's a lot of rivalry down here and they'd often say you'd never beat Tipperary in an Ireland final and things like that and I know I did it in in 9 but to beat isn't 10 and you know, Tipper kind of gained momentum. They kind of, they won the under-21 that year as well. And all the talk was Tipper going to come now and Tipper taking over and Kilkenny are, are gone. And that, that that was kind of a sore point with a lot of us. And we put in a huge effort in 2011 just to get back to it. And we got to the Ireland final and we, we played some great stuff. And we were just off that margin, I think, in 2010. Now, Tipper, obviously, absolutely sublime. They were brilliant. And clean is out, really, to be honest. But we just had a burning desire to get back. But it is, it is always a defeat that you kind of you look back on and say, we could have done this, and that makes you hungry for the year after.
2: Michael, when you're looking at Limerick now, two All-Irelands in three years, a young team, a very physically strong team. They put 30 points in Waterford last December. Do they have the raw materials to get a bit of dominance in the game like you had?
3: Uh, yeah, it'd be hard to say anything different, really, to be honest, John. I think they do. Um, just fantastic players throughout the team. Great manager. Seem to have a great system of play. Seem to be able to mix along with the short where they're they're probably confusing opposition teams now of like you you from a kind of a neutral point of view you look in and you're seeing like um, Gerard Hegarty coming out with five six points nearly every day last year and you're kind of going God lads we, 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 you know just get tight to him will you somewhere and Tom Morrissey on the other wing but obviously you know they are confusing teams because they're getting this situation where they have no problem playing at short um, to the half forward line. And then if the half back line push up on them, then they're no problem. Fired inside into Gillan, who'll take on two or three men. Um, so it's a great system of play they have. Seamus Flanagan there as well, coming in. Um, you know, it's uh, hugely strong player as well. So they have options. They seem to have that that strength and depth on the on the bench as well. They lost two in the full back line and were able to deal with it. Dan Morrissey went back and did a superb job. Um, so they're going to have the, the few players back then, Mike Casey and Richie English. Which is going to make them stronger again this year, you'd imagine. And uh, again, you you do get the impression that they feel comfortable in their own skin about what they're doing and how they're doing it. They have a good culture there as well. John Kiley seems to be leading that culture particularly well. Um, anytime there seems to be any little little rumble, he cuts it out very quickly and gets them back focused on what they need to do. So, look, you can say that any team I know, or like like Taggy said, the talk in 2010 was tip we're going to take over. For that time, there are there are still teams there that can can cause trouble. I mean, Galway look probably the closest in some ways, but yet if you if you do, if you don't beat Limerick on the biggest day, you can be as close as you like if you don't get over the line. So, I mean, there's still like Walford last year had a fantastic first year with Kaleem Cahill. He'll be absolutely chomping at the bit to drive it on again. I think even ourselves, um, Brian obviously won't be happy with last year but then for a long stage of that semi-final against Watford Kilkenny looked like we were we were maybe going to coast to a, a an All-Ireland final it turned into second half but there's some raw material there in Kilkenny that can still pose questions for, for for Limerick as well I think so uh, I think Cork again they're trying to probably revamp things a small bit down there and get, get maybe one or two new players in and new blood so look it, it does look like Limerick can take over for a number of years but these things have a tendency to, to change very quickly as well
2: it just shows how amazing your achievement was to win four in a row between 06 and 09 Eddie you're coaching now with Kula in, in, in Dublin uh, the Dublin footballers have won six in a row is it very hard to keep up that relentlessness you won eight all Ireland's do the players feel when it's dipping a bit will it be harder and harder every time Dublin keep on going to just keep, keep on beating
0: yeah it probably is it can be it can be you know i suppose that is the trick of management is to keep us motivated and you know when is the time to to blood a guy when is the time to to make those changes and start you know reinvigorating the team with, with with a couple of you know a couple of new faces um and that's obviously the the greatest trick in in coaching or management and we'd all love to know what that formula is because uh it's to be able to know that look and and, and this is the probably the cruel side of it is that you have your your guys that maybe you trust for so long, and then suddenly you might have to make that call of saying, look, I think my man is in bother, and we need to get so and so in, or whatever, and and that's probably the difficult part of it. But I think if you're looking at, you know, if we're talking, you know, the Dublin thing, and it's not their fault, like, but you look at the Leinster Football Championship now, it's it's just a non-existent event, and and I often, you know, you often think of it and say, look, if I was if I was a footballer from one of the other counties. You're saying what is realistically achievable there and what is your motivation for going in? So um, it, that can be frustrating. But uh, just if I go back to even 2010 for us, I felt, look, there was there was bits and pieces, but there was, there was probably a, a little level of fatigue there at that stage. Like, I mean, we knew what what was going to be needed. We knew what it was going to take. And sometimes you have to maybe get hurt to actually refocus yourself. And and I often look back and, you know, I, I left the, this panel in 2011, and look at the way the lads went from strength to strength afterwards because the show will go on no matter who's there and you know I saw Taggy and Ricey mature and I saw you know Richie Hogan and TJ really taking it on you know we went on in 1 112 again 114 and 15 so um it just goes to show look that um the, the 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 show will always go on and and uh if if you have you know a good block of players there and that's where your squad will come into play that's what will freshen a team up and I think that's probably the danger if you look at Dublin over the last two years in the football three years there's a lot of new faces after coming in on that team and it's hard to see who's going to shift them out there
2: 5 3 for your text answer to Limerick's dominance is yes lads top-notch Kilkenny lads in studio but the irony of ironies an average Kilkenny team stop Limerick going for four in a row fact well, they won too. Uh, Limerick Abu, it's our time now with respect. Great show. Thank you for your text. Another one. Uh, Aidan Fogarty, has Cody ad- adopted technology in his preparation of teams or does he spend and depend on what he is observing? So is it observance or is it technology when it comes to Brian?
1: Um, well, Definitely in my time, there was no technology. Um, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely an observant type of thing. I think, he, I think Brian kind of, he plays it from his gut a lot of the time. Um he sees what's in front of him and he makes he makes harsh decisions. He makes manager decisions and he you know, he I think his gut plays a lot into it because Eddie touched on it there. It's it's the movement of players through the years. So like say like to Charlie Carter, you know, he 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 was gone, Henry Shefflin, Tommy Welch, they all played their time and new lads came into the panel and new lads took over. And that was just Brian Cody keeping the whole thing fresh. About two thousand and seven Brian brought in two girls. I can't even think of their names now, but they were doing the stats and they did stats for us, uh, for, for them a couple of years. And as Brian wouldn't harp on about it, but whenever we'd have a meeting, he might just bring up six or seven little pinters about hooks and blocks, nothing about scores, nothing about goals. It was always hooks and blocks and the intensity of the team. And I think Brian's mantra was, if you're hooking and blocking more so than the other team, that means your intensity is a lot better than the other team and you're, and you're going well. So regarding technology, John, just to kind of answer your question, no, not in my time. Now, maybe he has moved on in the last couple of years, but definitely I think Brian plays it from the gut and, see, and what he sees in front of him. And I think the hurling experience, Brian's been through it all, Captain Kilkenny won our Larden's won all theirs, and managed Kilkenny, obviously, for the last 10, 15 years as well. So like he has a fair knowledge of the game and I think he goes with his gut.
2: Uh, look it's beyond question he's the greatest manager in the history of Get it Games in my opinion but Michael Rice um, is it the situation his 23rd year now they haven't won in All-Ireland in six years are the natives getting a little bit restless in Kilkenny with the demand and the expectation of success is Brian Cody under even a little bit of pressure now?
3: I've never seen Brian Cody under pressure to be honest John um, no I think like after any season where you don't get the ultimate prize of the Lee McCarty Cup there is People questioning everything, really. You know, that's that's just the nature of it. Um, but I would be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel that Brian will feel pressure in that regard. I think he's been through it before. Um, look, zero four, zero five, didn't win All Ireland, came back then and did four in a row when we, there was very little expectation. Again, ten. So he's seen it all that way. And uh, look, I think he'd be he'd be happy that he's moving again. And 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 like, it's funny how if you don't win the All Ireland, it's nearly. Kind of a disaster, and there's no positives. So that's not the reality either. There are positives, like as as someone, one of your listeners, takes in, like the, the the team two years ago beat Limerick in the semi final with a, a, an excellent performance. You know, there's no doubt about it. It was an excellent Kilkenny performance that day. Uh, lost an Ireland Tipperary in that time as well, uh, and then in the semi final last year. So it's not like we've suddenly fallen off a cliff and are not there or thereabouts so I think from Kenny's perspective there's still hope and like once you have hope you have a chance so I think that's that's the case going forward I don't think Brian Cody ever based anything on hope I think there'll be absolute um, serious preparation done, and that's always been the case but uh, I think look Brian there's always pressure in a job but I don't think Brian will feel it particularly any different than any other year
2: Five three one zero six. So Kenny, you were a superb master of the game of hurling, both on and off the pitch. Says Kieran in Dublin. When you look back on the four in a row and all the All-Irelands you won, Eddie Brennan, the rituals, the the ticket rush before the game, the suits, the banquets, the nights out. Is there what stands out? Uh, something that made you smile? Maybe even the All-Star trips.
0: Um, I don't know. I suppose it's 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 actually a bit frightening how quick it all has moved away. You know, it's it it seems like such a distant memory now, but. I think we just had, um, you know, I think it was Ricey mentioned it earlier on. You had a good structure to the year. Uh, you planned it out. You knew kind of what, the, I suppose, your life was planned around the, you know, getting to September and all that. But I just think, I suppose, it was the enjoyment of it all. Like I know there was nights there you came out with training, very, very frustrated and stressed, and you're, you know, you're worried about your spot and you're worried if you're going well and that kind of thing because. I think you just want to play in Croke Park so badly. You want to you know, you just want to be part of that. I mean, there's obviously a massive tradition in Kilkenny which which is something that you're so aware of and so much you know, you want to follow in the footsteps of the players that have gone before you and, and make your little bit of history. But uh, you know, for me I suppose we, we got some good holidays out of that and there was some great crack in those holidays and you know, even carton house, little small things like, you know, sneaking out there and playing five or six holes. On the Monty course on a Saturday evening after our training camp, or something like that. Like, there's just lots of little things, and I suppose as the lads said there, we, we we tend to remember the the disappointing days more, so because they, they are so disappointing, and the, and the enjoyable stuff takes care of itself. But uh, I just say, I, I suppose the, it's the friendship, and even now I find is we've all drifted away and kind of gone our own separate ways, and we're doing our own thing. And yet, if you run into any of the lads somewhere on a filling station or getting a coffee or something it's seamless and it's easy how you just take up where, where we were at that time. And look, obviously those friendships now, you know, will will we'll grow closer together, I think, as we go along and we start meeting up a little bit more, we start organising things because we haven't even got to that point. And I look at what Offley and, and the Clare lads are doing the last couple of years and, and how they meet up again, and you're looking forward to that side of it. So I think ultimately it's the friendships and, and it's how easy those friendships take up where we left off, you know.
2: Taggy, were the roots of your Dance With The Stars uh, career um, instil, instilled in, in all Ireland uh, celebrations? Well, I'm kind <laughs> of
1: nodding my kind of head there, John, to be fair, yeah? Um, I don't know who gave my name to Dance With The Stars, but I think it's some of the boys for sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would have been known for uh, throwing a no move here and there, right? Um, whenever there's a dance-off, you know, Eddie mentioned it on holidays and uh, sessions and things like that, whenever there's a dance-off happening and some strangers are shutting their stuff, I might, uh, I might put out the old leg and uh, bust the move here and there. And I remember one time, I think it was in, I think it was in Hawaii, and you know, you'd be trying to keep it low key when you're kind of uh, <laughs> having a few drinks. The think, special with Brian Cody around. I, uh, I ended up on top of the bar and I was trying to low key. Imagine that. And uh, Brian Cody and Barry Hickey and all the county board are there, and sure, uh, there, wasn't, there wasn't malicious round. I was just on the bar and I was just busting the move, and the boys were chatting me on, and uh, Brian was just smiling to himself. So I think it went down well. But but that was it. Brian loved it, loved the spirit. He loved us to go out. He loved us to have the crack, and he asked Eddie there, "What do you remember about all, all, all the wins and stuff?" It, it's definitely the camaraderie, the crack you had in the dressing room, the fizzy room, you know, telling lads they had fat arses, and uh, you know, <laughs> the, the little bit of slagging and and things like that. And uh, it it was just a brilliant environment, a very tough environment at times, you know, very very challenging. But um, as I say, the more you challenged, the more you enjoy it. And I, I think it's just it just everything accumulated uh, into one. And and then of course it was just that. Uh, after the final whistle of an Ireland final, John, you, you just can't, you just can't describe it. It's uh, 30 seconds of pure, just pure elation, and um, it, it's a magnificent feeling, and a feeling there that, that I'd miss, and I'd love to get back, and then you have the bus from Croke Park to City West, and you're just celebrating, and you're just in great form, and you're driving in along the, the long stretch of the City West, and fans are at both sides of the roads, and they're clapping the bus on, and they're cheering you on, they're getting off the bus, and you meet your family, you know, your mother and father and your friends, and just it's, it's not it's just it's just all that it's not about the medals it's not about whatever else it's the whole experience of the whole journey
2: brilliantly encapsulated taggy and michael
3: for you what put a smile on your face or still does thinking of taggy dancing on a bar and i think it was in thailand actually <laughs> <laughs> taggy if i remember correctly after the blue bus
1: um, you were up there as
2: well. You can't remember whether it's hawaii or thailand uh, taggy
3: <laughs> i get paid for it now racy that's the difference <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All those moments that the lads have mentioned, I think uh, one of the most special things for me was after that 0-9 final, um, was meeting my parents and my family, Um, 91 was my first All-Ireland that I remember and Michael Cleary's goal, that deflected goal off, off Liam Welch's hurl into the top corner and I suppose I disliked Michael Cleary for a long, long time. I bought a trampoline off him recently, so it turns out he's not as bad as I thought. How, how, well, um, just, no, 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 just stop there.
2: <laughs> you yeah. bought a trampoline off him?
3: Yes, yeah, yeah, so so we... Michael Cleary sells trampolines. <laughs> oh, does he? Okay. Actually, believe, above and Nina. Uh, yeah, it's not that he's... Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, I think he, ha- yeah, he has a toy shop, and um, as oh, I okay. said, I have three children, so um, I've got a trampoline off him. So I had a good old chat with Michael, actually, and it turns out he's... He's not as bad as I thought he was back in 91. As I said to him, 30 years later, I found out he's kind of sound. But uh, no, look, it's, it's that memory. Tipperary was a big one for me. The fact that it was my first All-Ireland starting and uh, then to, I think it was my father's birthday that day as well. And uh, to step off, I think I remember stepping off the the bus, as Taggy said in the City West, the celebrations were just unreal. Myself and Eddie used to sit beside each other on the bus. And just the, the pure, there used to be a a... a tape or a CD played constantly you know we are the champions and uh, stuff like that My Queen is it? Yeah I think yeah that one and uh, you know and and there was that particular year I think um, Black Eyed Peas had uh, or I got a feeling that one I still remember that and being on the dance floor and sure look Taggy was burning it up as usual Um, but it was just (laughs) those, those memories of the camaraderie and um, you know, meeting, meeting, as I said, meeting my father and mother after getting off the bus there, and I suppose tears in their eyes and my and my own eyes—that something that I had wanted to do for so long in my life—that I, uh, I kind of had had achieved that, um, and and against Tipperary as well, to to throw that in as well was 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 massive. So, um, as the lad said, we had great days, great holidays, uh, we had the time of our lives. That's the reality of it. We had the time of our lives, and. I mean, that feeling for two minutes after an all Ireland final is just phenomenal. Um, and it's one of the best feelings in in, in in you could have in your life. And look, you, you can't get it back, but we were lucky and privileged to to have had the chance to feel that.
2: And Eddie, you gave a lot of joy to a lot of supporters in Kilkenny.
0: Yeah, sure. And I think there was a huge bond with the supporters at that time as well, John. I think um, we often got you know great support on the on disappointing homecomings, and i think that was uh i think it was just such a, a great positivity around the county at the time and rightly touched on it there you know as much as we were a family together inside that restroom obviously our families were the ones who supported you so much and and brought you to matches when you were younger and underage and stuff like that and for them this was probably a little bit of payback for them and you know i think even a lot of our, our parents even became very friendly through the through the setup as well and you know they'd be the ones there to to help and support you, and you know in those tough moments as well they were there to pick you up. So um, the Kilkenny supporters were absolutely brilliant for us at the time. Um, I predict used to love playing league matches in Nolan Park, and if the if the challenge was thrown down to us, you know the supporters would be there to, to to give you a bit of a lift. And you know it was it was it was our way of saying you know it was great to to reward the supporters by by winning the All Irelands. I think so much so that a lot of supporters around Kilkenny used to save their holidays for the the, the first week in September, they used to, they used to enjoy the, the bit of crack. They used to go on around the town for the week afterwards.
2: Well, we got to leave it there. Eddie Brennan, uh, Taggy Fogarty, Michael Rice, your absolute gentleman to join us here on Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk to do a bit of reminiscence about Kilkenny's four in a row and look ahead to Championship 2021. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend and we'll hopefully catch you soon. Cheers. Hey,
3: John. Thanks, John.
2: Okay. Thanks. This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. We're back after this.
3: The Saturday panel on
2: Off the Ball. That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation.